Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, May 11th, 2023, the 841st day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple of days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the writing, the podcast, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So Donald Trump went to New Hampshire last night for the CNN town hall hosted by Caitlin Collins. It was reported that the broadcast was scheduled for 90 minutes. They wrapped up the town hall portion after about 75. Maybe CNN decided they had to cut it short. Maybe Trump decided he wanted to cut it short. I kind of doubt that. Or maybe they just left some extra time so they can do what they wanted. But it was pointed out that generally one of these broadcast news networks, when they have something that is getting them huge ratings and tons of attention, 
Usually they keep going with it if they can. So who knows if they changed their original plan? Maybe they executed their original plan or maybe they had enough of Trump because they were getting absolutely ripped apart online and for good reason. Donald Trump gave a 10 out of 10 performance last night in terms of the ultimate effectiveness of what that event was. Did he answer every question perfectly, exactly the way people would want with the exact language of their choice? Did he make every single point in the best way he possibly could? No, of course not. He never does that. And it's one of those things that I think people just have to let go of. His point is not to go out there and gracefully make every point and statement in a way that the very highly college educated people will appreciate. People don't like his voice. They don't like his manner of speaking. If people are still prioritizing that after these last three years and truthfully, the last eight years of Donald Trump being on the national stage, well, I don't know what to tell people like that. If you're sensitive about Donald Trump's voice and his manner of speaking while you're watching the world fall apart, you have your priorities wrong. If Donald Trump being slightly rude or saying something slightly awkward that upsets you in some way, if that's more important than the opportunity to take down the regime that inflicted the very deadly pandemic upon us and then gave us all the useless mitigation strategies like masks and lockdowns and school closures and business closures and church closures. That led to the absolute devastation of our society, the regime that used that very deadly pandemic to implement all sorts of changes in the election process, ballot harvesting, mail-in balloting, eventually stealing the election in a multitude of ways, using the CIA and our law enforcement apparatus to create false narratives about the election hiding, censoring, lying about the Hunter Biden laptop, that same regime who spent that entire summer waging a race war through Black Lives Matter Antifa as they rioted and burned down countries, all based on a series of absolutely malicious lies about the state of race relations in our country and lies about the very incidents they claimed were examples of racism by police somehow tying all of that to Trump supporters, the regime that stole an election in broad daylight and then told anyone who questioned the outcome as reported a domestic terrorist, the regime that helped stage the very violent insurrection and then continued the domestic terrorism narrative, the big lie, the regime who applied vaccine mandates and attempted medical segregation and tracking through vaccine passports, messing with travel, shutting down even more businesses, the regime supporting the effort in Ukraine, sending well over $100 billion to support a literal Nazi army, the regime responsible for this border crisis, for the financial situation, the regime weaponizing the justice system, against American citizens and political opponents, most notably Donald Trump, if taking down that regime is less important 
then what Trump says and his tone of voice and the fact that you think he's rude or he says something that doesn't sound quite as smart as you want it to sound, you got bad priorities. I don't know what to tell you. And if you think that someone else can go out there and do that job to take down that regime besides Donald Trump, you live on another planet. There's not even another prominent politician who could go out and do what Donald Trump did last night and tell the truth on that stage in the face of all that mainstream media nonsense, all the interruption, all the disrespect, all the blatant lying and gaslighting. Aside from Carrie Lake, I don't know who else is capable of going out and saying the truth without the mainstream spin, without catering to the mainstream narrative that is wrong in full. Every other politician accepts the mainstream narrative as true or mostly true and then tries to argue around the edges, just convincing people. Well, yeah, no, I see how you're right, but I'd like you to move a little bit in my direction. So I'm going to dispute what you've heard on TV just a little bit with some things that other people heard on TV. Oh, what a strategy that would be. So sure, we can all pine for a more perfected, more polished Donald Trump who gives the perfect answer every time with the panache of Trump and with the truth telling of Trump, with the courage to go directly against the mainstream narrative and let the fallout happen. But that politician does not exist on the national stage in America, at least not right now. So let's go through some of the town hall. It was off to a quick start when they began talking about election fraud within the first couple of minutes. Trump listed example after example of election manipulation, election interference, questionable outcomes. And the response from Caitlin Collins, as you might imagine, was to interrupt him at every opportunity, continue saying there's no proof of that. There's no evidence of that. Courts have found that that's not true. Even Republican lawyers said this. Even Republican lawyers said that none of what she's saying was true. Yeah, sure. The part about Republican lawyers saying things, that is a fact. Republican lawyers did say things and did say that the election is not stolen. But other Republican lawyers say it is stolen. So it doesn't matter that some Republican lawyers think that it's not stolen. That's not an argument. That's not evidence of anything. That only works inside the bubble of the central narrative, where we continue to imagine that there are two parties in opposition. It's not the uniparty left and the uniparty right. It's Democrats and Republicans. And gosh, Democrats and Republicans, they just hate each other. They want the other to lose so bad they would never, ever, ever be on the same team about anything. And they would also never misrepresent their opinions or their affiliations. They're good people who are telling the truth all the time. If they're a Republican, if they have an R next to their name, that means they would never do anything to help Democrats. That's one thing you can always know is that if they have an R next to their name, they will not help Democrats. So if they say something that the Democrats are saying is true, that must make it true by virtue of the little R next to their name, according to Caitlin Collins. 
Republican lawyers said there was no election fraud. Therefore, there's no election fraud. Don't you see how that's evidence of something? And there was a really great moment in this section that truly warmed my heart. Here it is. I think that uh, when you look at that result and when you look at what happened during that election, uh, unless you're a very stupid person, you see what happens. A lot of the people, a lot of the people in this audience and maybe a couple that don't, but most people uh, understand what happened. That was a rigged election. And it's a shame that we had to go through it. It's very bad for our country. Now, that is a perfect moment for a couple of reasons. Trump went right after it. Unless you're a very stupid person, you know something was wrong with that election. And he's right. You have to be either stupid or malicious to not understand that that election was stolen. It is impossible to go through the evidence in any sort of careful, deep way, trying to figure out if the people saying the election was stolen actually have a point and come to the conclusion that nothing was wrong with that election. And that's why people don't check, because they know. And they would rather have the cover of the media and the mainstream story to protect them from ever having to look and ever having to admit what's true. Because what's true is the sort of thing that is very inconvenient to say in polite company surrounded by liberals and rhino establishment Republicans. They don't want to hear that the election was stolen because they don't want to do anything about the stolen election. They don't want to change the course of their life. They don't want to upset people by telling the truth. They just want to keep their head down and continue moving forward on their own path. And we have this cultural impression that participating in politics and understanding this stuff on a deep level is not important. No one actually has a responsibility to do that. And we certainly don't have a legal responsibility to do that. Everybody is free to do as they like and pursue what they want to pursue. But if you want the good things about this country to continue and you want to take advantage of living in a good country, the only way to actually preserve that is by getting involved in knowing what's going on, especially about a subject like this. If your country's elections can be stolen, if the people's voice through the people's vote can simply be invalidated, then there is absolutely no guarantee for you or anyone else that we are going to be able to enjoy the good things about this country in the future. That's the point. Now, people don't want to get involved. They don't want to burden themselves with all of that. So they just keep moving along. And that's fine until it's not fine. And it's not fine. When we know the truth and we don't stand up for that truth, then the other side just gets free shots on goal all day. And that's how we end up in this position with a fake president. But people know the election was stolen. A vast majority of this country knows the election was stolen. If you trust the polling numbers at all, which, by the way, you don't have to. But for two years consistently, it's been well over 50% of the country that knows cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 election. Now we see numbers as high as 65%. We see Democrats fleeing from Joe Biden. We see Trump's numbers continuing to rise. Trump's cultural power is as strong as it's ever been. And that's because people have stopped ignoring all of this. But Caitlin Collins interjects and cuts him off. She says there's no evidence. He talks about how Wisconsin, they've acknowledged that there's something wrong. She says that's not true, but it is true. 
Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled that the drop boxes, the ballot drop boxes were unconstitutional. That accounts for hundreds of thousands of votes. There's no way Joe Biden won that election in any constitutionally appropriate way. The Speaker of the House, Robin Voss, Republican Rhino, said there was widespread election fraud in Wisconsin. And we can go on and on. The issues in Georgia, the issues in Pennsylvania, the issues in Michigan, in Arizona. You can go right down the list. Every state in the country. And Caitlin Collins just said, well, that's all wrong. Oh, it's all wrong. There's no evidence. Baseless claims. And now we've heard from all of the mainstream media about how Trump lied his way through the entire thing. No, what Trump did was tell the real story, which is in direct opposition to the central narrative that has been pushed by the regime for two and a half years now about the election and for much longer about everything else. When you dispute that story, you get called a liar because people know that story and they believe that story. They've been told stories about how what you might say cannot possibly be true. If you're totally detached from reality, then Trump's a liar. If you are totally immersed in the false reality, as all of the mainstream media is because they help create the false reality, Trump's a liar. But in the empirical observable reality, the one that is consistently the same, the one that is not edited and rewritten constantly, Trump's the only one telling the truth. And the people in the audience knew it. The people at home knew it. The people on Twitter knew it. And even the people who hate Trump knew it. Hence the freak out. Later on in the town hall, Caitlin Collins decided to go back to the whole election fraud thing, and she tried to get Donald Trump on the record about whether he would respect the reported results of the 2024 election, no matter the outcome. Here's how he handled it. You are the Republican nominee and you are in that 2024 race. Will you commit tonight to accepting the results of the 2024 election? Yeah, if I think it's an honest election, absolutely I would. Will you commit to accepting the results of the election regardless of the outcome? Do you want me to answer it again? If I think it's an honest election, I would be honored to. And right now we are so far ahead of both Democrat and Republican. And you know what? If I don't win, this country is going to be in big trouble. It's so sad to see what's happening. But no commitment there on the accepting the results, regardless of the if, outcome. If it's an honest election, correct. Okay, I will. so not committing to accepting the 2024 election results or acknowledging what happened in 2020. Go President ahead. Trump, I want to thank you. It's kind of an incredible clip. What he said could not be clear. What he said is obviously the right answer and the only answer anyone should ever want from someone who wants to hold a leadership position. If they know that the election was not free or fair or legitimate, no one should accept the outcome. Trump is fine with accepting an election loss if he actually loses. There's just no reason in the world to believe that's even possible. He blew out Joe Biden in 2020. Everybody knows it. He's leaps and bounds ahead of not only the rhino Republican field, but he's ahead of Joe Biden by like seven points at this point, this early point, according to polls, which again are not some perfect reflection of reality. These pollsters are asking people 
when they're discussing these subjects, they're asking them questions that come loaded with all sorts of social context and incentives and punishments, social punishments, legal punishments. Two years ago, talking about how the election was stolen could get you in a lot of trouble. You could be labeled a domestic terrorist. You could certainly be kicked out of social groups. In many places, you still can be. When that's the condition under which people are being asked questions, they're less likely to give the result that could get them punished. We continue seeing these polls with sizable portions of undecided. Who do you think those undecided people are actually going to go for? It's not the safe choice. You can see Trump 48, Biden 41. That's only 89%. Where are the other 11? Are we really going to imagine that undecided voters are going to come down on the side of Joe Biden a year and a half from now? Another year and a half of Joe Biden and undecided voters are going to swing that way? Don't think so. Those numbers are probably on the low end for Trump as is when he begins to pass consistently 50 percent of this country in those polls. At that point, there is going to be a psychological shift. And the narrative is going to have to change completely. More than half the country wants Trump back in office right now. That's what that's going to say to everyone. All of what the media has said, all of what people have experienced, all the stories about how bad Trump and MAGA are, and more than half the country wants Trump to be president right now. We're reaching that point really quickly. We'll get into more of this later on, but CNN and the rest of the media have been doing damage control on this whole thing, trying to keep their narrative intact. CNN, as they always do, they hold a little panel, a little focus group where they ask real people questions about what they just witnessed. Here's a little snippet of one of those regarding election fraud. But he keeps talking about 2020 and not 2024. I'll ask you first. This is Jonathan Leslie. He's 40, Republican, voted for Trump twice. How do you feel about those lies? So I feel like part of it's also the media narrative as you guys asked him the first question at the town hall about the 2020 election rather than current stuff. So don't you think he could say it's time for me to start talking about 2024 and not lies that aren't true? Couldn't the media ask him a question about 2024? Well, there were questions, but you're right. That was the first thing, but that's something that was on our mind. And that's why I was asked first. Mike McGlo- Don't you think Trump should talk about something other than the 2020 election? Well, you asked him about the 2020 election. Well, don't you think that he should say, I'm going to move on and not talk about those lies? Well, why didn't you ask him about something else then? Hey, good question. And just like Caitlin Collins, the guy gets stumped and confused. He realizes he has lost this round and he tries to switch subjects as quickly as possible. Caitlin Collins did all of that last night. She would be talking to Trump. Trump would be steamrolling her. And what she did was insert all of the central narrative that she could as quickly as possible, making sure what she said would stand as the final word. And then she would switch to a question from the audience. The audience would ask a question. Trump would start answering that. And she would cut him off and ask her own questions to steer the subject away again. Her job was to support the central narrative in the face of resistance, which is something they never, ever, ever do. 
The mainstream media has spent two and a half years ignoring questions about the election. They will have their people on so they can talk about how stupid everyone is for believing all of these election lies, all those election deniers out there, those people telling the big lie. Oh, they're so very dumb. They'll have someone come on occasionally who might tell them the truth about this or that subject, and they'll use the same strategy. They'll try to cut those people off, tell them that they're liars right to their face while they're telling the truth, and then figure out convenient ways to move on. And they end up ignoring it. The entire point is to marginalize that viewpoint. Trump at one point just straight up told Caitlin Collins, I know you're supposed to say that. And we really need to have the proper metrics when we're observing Trump in an interview or a debate or a town hall setting like this one. We have to focus on the right things. And that's not whether or not what Trump said is going to create blowback from the media. When all of the supporters of the regime go crazy and say he's not allowed to say that, that's a lie. That's wrong. That's not bad for us. That's good for us. Because the majority of the country understands that the mainstream media is lying to them all the time and is one of the leading causes of how we've gotten ourselves into this position as a country. People are not rooting for the mainstream media. Sure, anti-Trump people will support the media in opposition to Trump, but they still don't generally support the media in isolation. They know the media lies to them. People last night witnessed for the first time in years what it looks like when that media narrative goes up against Trump himself, not Trump, the avatar of everything that is false and wrong, not Trump as they describe him, not Trump as Trump haters describe him, just Trump himself representing not only his own views, but the views of the American people. And that really is what Trump is doing. It's not only what he's doing, it's literally his purpose for doing this. We talk about all the data that's out there on all of us, all the tracking data, all the demographic data, the places we go, the things we buy, the things we share online, the things we say to other people. All of that stuff is tracked and analyzed. The regime is not the only group with that data. You don't think. Donald Trump has access to information like that. He does. He knows what the majority of Americans actually think. And so does the regime. That's why they always have such clever lies to steer what people think as effectively as they can. So that when real life events occur on the timeline of the agenda, people are prepared to react in certain ways. That's what all the misinformation, all the propaganda and the censorship are for. Donald Trump is aware of what the American people actually want and actually care about. And he tries to represent that, generally speaking. A perfect example of that last night was during the abortion conversation. Donald Trump is clearly pro-life. He represents that position in every scenario. He got Three Supreme Court justices approved to the Supreme Court. They overturned Roe versus Wade in the Dobbs decision. And that accomplishment alone has done more for the pro-life movement than anything else in the last 50 years, which is not to take anything away from pro-life activists and people who have been in that fight much longer than Donald Trump has or I have for that matter. 
But the critical event in that fight was the placement of those three Supreme Court justices on the bench. Now, that's not what Caitlin Collins wanted to focus on. She wanted to focus on whether or not Donald Trump would support a national abortion ban, something that really isn't talked about much at all and doesn't need to be talked about. The issue should be settled in the states, and that's what the Supreme Court allowed them to do. But now, because that's all passed and Roe versus Wade is gone, they can't ask the question they used to ask, which is, will you nominate Supreme Court justices who will uphold Roe versus Wade? That was the old question. That question allows them to put whoever they're asking that question to in a corner that they have to get out of. Same question, same form of question last night. Will you support a nationwide abortion ban? Well, Donald Trump doesn't need to support that. He's already the guy that enabled Roe versus Wade to finally be taken down. Trump supports exceptions for rape and incest and the life of the mother. You can have your opinion about those exceptions. Some people obviously believe that abortion under any circumstances is morally reprehensible and should never be allowed. And I understand that position. It is consistent. It is logical. It may not be practical, at least right now. He talked about what the alternative was. Democrats who are abortion radicals, they want abortion all the way up to the moment of birth and sometimes after. And they don't want any of that to be restricted. He made the point that he has brought the situation to the point where it can now be negotiated. There is leverage on the pro-life side now. They can actually get things done. If you want to go out there and advocate that abortion should be banned in all circumstances in your state, by all means, go do it. Give the pro-life movement more leverage to create change. Convince the people of your state that your position is correct and maybe they'll come along with you. That's how the situation is supposed to work. Donald Trump doesn't get to decide the answer. He doesn't wave a magic wand and ban abortion nationwide when he's president. But Caitlin Collins presented it as we need to know exactly what you think. What would you do? Well, he's telling her what he would do. I would listen to the American people and I would try to advocate for the decision that the most people believe is the right decision. He'll advocate for the pro-life position, understanding that whatever happens will be the result of a negotiation. No one understands that better than Trump and everyone should take that lesson from Trump. He approaches everything as if there is a deal to be made, as if he is negotiating all the time. He negotiates through the media and with all of his messaging. He is trying to use his leverage to change not only public sentiment about these issues, but also the practical outcome of the issues. And to do that, he listens to the American people about what they want so that he can understand where his principles lead him in relation to where the rest of the country is in order to find the ground where a deal can actually be made. The exact same pattern repeated when Caitlin Collins began asking him about Ukraine and Ukraine funding and whether or not he wanted Ukraine to win. 
Another ridiculous, illogical, irrational question that only serves the purpose of attempting to put the person you're asking into a corner so that they can only play on your terms. And Trump never does that. What do you, can I just follow up on that? You but said one you of the don't things think you have to do is you have to get, the, you have Mr. to President, get your, can I just follow up on that? Cause that's a really important excuse me. Let me just follow just up. There. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying. Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. And I'll have that done. I'll have that done in 24 hours. I'll have it done. You need the power of the presidency to do it. But you but won't say that you want Ukraine to win. You, you know what I'll you say? In, I'll say this. I want Europe to put up more money because they're in for 20 billion. We're in for 170. But and they should an be and they should the equalize. War. They have plenty of money. They should equalize. I got with NATO when I sat down, I got them right to now, put up Mr. hundreds President. of billions of dollars that they weren't paying under Obama and Bush and all of these other presidents. That's why they're, they're able to help them fight the war because of the money I got. But, but I want Europe. What's to, happening in Ukraine, excuse me, Mr. President. I want Europe to put up more money because they're laughing at us. They think we're a bunch of jerks. We're spending one hundred and seventy billion dollars for faraway land. And they're right next door to that land. And they're in for 20. I don't think so. When it comes to. Why won't you just say Ukraine should win? That's basically what Caitlin Collins is doing. She wants him to answer her question in the way that she wants him to answer it. She gets to frame the question in a way that's meant to produce an answer with zero nuance so that the media can bring all the nuance in themselves and say, this is what Trump actually meant. Trump made sure to not give them that opportunity. He said, what I want is for people to stop dying. I want the situation to be settled and over. And you can't do that by calling Putin a war criminal. You can't do that by announcing that you want Ukraine to win. What is winning for Ukraine right now? The country has been destroyed. The regime is getting destroyed in the country. They've already taken over like 25% of the landmass Russia has. And the people in those regions, mostly ethnic Russians who have been under attack for the last nine years in an ethnic civil war, voted in referenda saying that they want to become a part of Russia. So what does it mean for Ukraine to win? Do we just nuke Russia? Do we assassinate Putin? Do we go all out in war to make sure that those parts of what we used to call Ukraine, but are now Russia, get to be Ukraine again? That doesn't make sense. Why would Trump say any of those things? Again, permanent, constant negotiation all the time. He knows what he's saying. He knows what the impact of his words is with other foreign leaders. And he's not going to let himself get dragged down into CNN nonsense. He gave the best possible answer. The best possible answer is, I want the war to stop. If I was president, it never would have happened. When I am given the opportunity to fix that situation, I will have it fixed in a day because I know what the negotiation actually is. I know the terms of the negotiation on both sides. I know how to exercise American leverage to draw the situation to a close. But instead, CNN and Caitlin Collins need to try to create a headline. I wonder how long they have been working on the question strategy for Caitlin Collins. I would assume weeks 
since this was announced, maybe since they were first in meetings to even have this town hall. People have probably been planning out what these questions should be. But however many meetings it took them to come up with these very carefully crafted questions that nonetheless expose CNN for the ridiculous propaganda it is, you have to think that they believed they laid down this inescapable series of gotcha questions that was sure to destroy Donald Trump, and it did not work at all. They went after him for January 6th. Caitlin Collins tried to pin him down that he was somehow responsible for the violence and that once all of that began, he took too long to respond to the problem. And I imagine she did not suspect that Donald Trump brought props to help him. He had a few pages in his suit pocket. He hinted at bringing them out when the conversation first started. And then a couple minutes later, he pulled them out. They were his statements from that day and the timeline of what happened on January 6th. Caitlin Collins repeated the official story from the central narrative about how Donald Trump waited too long to call in the National Guard and Trump answered her quite clearly with what actually happened that day. She asserted that even acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller testified that Donald Trump didn't call in the National Guard. And so somehow Donald Trump was responsible for that. But Chris Miller wrote a book and he discussed this entire situation in the book. And I've read that book. But you can also just hear Chris Miller explain it. The storm has arrived. Put this little clip together. It's just a second of the Caitlin Collins and Donald Trump exchange. And then Chris Miller and Cash Patel on Sean Hannity's show on Fox, this is probably a year or so ago, explaining the situation. Miller was your acting defense secretary. He says you never gave that order. But back to what happened on that day. He you did said you not say that. You, he has testified that. Mr. He President. Did not and then we pivoted to setting up for January 6th. And Mr. Trump unequivocally authorized up to 20,000 National Guards men and women for us to utilize should the second part of the law, the request come in. But those requests never did, as you highlighted. Well, let me let me be very clear. Both of you said this under oath, under the threat of a penalty of perjury. To the committee? Oh, absolutely, Sean. And to be clear, Cash brought it up best. The meeting was uh, one. Of, it was one of the serious kind of heavy meetings I've been in, and it was about a foreign threat that was directed towards the United States, which obviously we can't talk to for about for fear of you know ended up in jail. And uh, so I want to. I, I kind of want to like be clear. The president, as we're leaving. It says, hey, one more thing. And we all sat back down and we discussed what was going on in January 6th. I don't want to because I think that's important to bring up so that uh, the opposition doesn't get this idea that this was the purpose of the meeting. The president was doing exactly what I expect the commander in chief to do, any commander in chief to do. He was looking at the broad threats against the United States and he brought this up as on his own. We did not bring it up. You got to love how she says Chris Miller said, you never gave that order and then immediately tries to slide into another conversation as if that is the fact. And then Donald Trump has to interrupt her to dispute what she just said, even though what she just said is totally false. You just heard how it's false. Here's the entire explanation. On January 3rd, 2021, Donald Trump authorized 10,000 
National Guard troops, even upwards of 20,000 if they need it. This was offered to Nancy Pelosi, who is in charge of the security of the Capitol, and Muriel Bowser, who is obviously in charge of the security of Washington, D.C., because she's the mayor. They said they didn't want it because of optics. But nonetheless, Trump authorized those troops. And at that point, it is Christopher Miller's decision about whether those troops will be called in. Now, CNN broadcast a documentary made by Nancy Pelosi's daughter, who had a film crew at the Capitol on Insurrection Day. Bring your daughter to work day, the very violent insurrection. Isn't it amazing that Nancy Pelosi, who was right in the center of all of it, authorized her daughter and a film crew to come film the events of that day so that they could make a movie. Well, in that film, there's a scene where Nancy Pelosi is the one who calls in the National Guard. And all of the Blue Anons and villagers on Twitter all said that Nancy Pelosi was the real president that day because she's the one who called them in. Well, how did she do that? Oh, it's because Donald Trump already authorized it. There were plenty of resources available if the point was to ensure that there would be no violence at the Capitol that day. And Nancy Pelosi and Muriel Bowser decided that the optics of National Guard troops around the Capitol would be no good. So they ignored it. And then it's worth remembering we had over two months of the National Guard surrounding Washington, D.C. We all pretend that that just didn't happen. That's just somehow disappeared into the ether. It's just gone from our memory that we had the country's capital locked down with like 25,000 troops for months with no explanation. And here's another key moment in that January 6th conversation. Yeah, another three one hours, over 140 officers were injured that day. And a person named Ashley Babbitt was killed. Yes. You know what? She was killed and she shouldn't have been killed. And that thug that killed her, there was no reason to shoot her at blank range, cold blank range. They shot her and she was a good person. She was a patriot. One there was no was reason. There. To, there was no reason. And he went on television to brag about the fact that he killed her. That the officer was not bragging about the fact that he oh, killed he her. But bragging. one person who was at the he... Now, that's a big statement. Obviously, he's right on the facts. Michael Byrd, who was that officer, an officer who, by the way, had already gotten cited for losing his firearm in the Capitol, was armed that day, waiting outside that door, and unarmed Ashley Babbitt attempted to climb through while John Sullivan, Jaden X, actual Antifa, a guy who was there not only to cause problems, and that's all on the record, but to film his own little documentary with a woman named Jade Sacker. The two of them went on CNN later that night. He was a few feet away filming the Ashley Babbitt shooting. Right before that shooting, there were three men dressed as officers of some sort who walked away from that scene and down the stairs. What threat was Ashley Babbitt posing? No threat, really. But Michael Byrd took his shots and much later, he went on TV to talk about it and was held up as a hero for killing the insurrectionist. And this is important stuff for the country to hear. Donald Trump is not going to lay it all out and explain it all 
in its intricacy and nuance in perfect flowing language. But he is going to make the major points that are a shock to people's system and people's systems need to be shocked because they've been spoon fed nothing but nonsense from outlets like CNN and MSNBC and Fox and all of the print media for the last two and a half years. People know that Michael Byrd killed Ashley Babbitt, shot her at point blank range while she was unarmed, a veteran, but they ignore it. Because they want to pretend that all of that was MAGA's fault. Everybody there on that side deserved to die because they were there, because they were telling the big lie, because they were domestic terrorists. They deserve to die. And you think I'm being hyperbolic. You can go online and see people saying this all the time. There are prominent regime figures who have said that. And as long as everyone is willing to ignore what really happened at the same time and just repeat the slogans that they were told to repeat, they get to hold on to their moral high ground. But the truth is, there wasn't a single officer killed by Trump supporters that day. Not one. There were, however, Trump supporters murdered by officers. And it is important for the country to know that. It's important for people to hear that regardless of what they believe. That is the truth. And there should be no moral credit or social credit given to anyone for denying that truth. And that is why what Donald Trump does is so effective, because it makes it impossible for people to keep saying what they're saying without any incoming heat on them. It is his plain spoken way and the simplicity of how he describes situations that break through that little force shield they all have. No, you can't say that. You're not allowed to say that. We can have other discussions, but you're not allowed to say that thing. Donald Trump looks at that force shield and smashes it into a million little pieces. And that's what should happen. You don't have to agree with Trump, but if we're going to have discussions, if we're going to have a society... You need to be able to talk about what actually happened and what actually happened was zero police officers killed by Trump supporters, multiple Trump supporters killed by police officers. What actually happened was that there were FBI informants. There was Antifa. Ray Epps really is a problem. The entire narrative about that day is false. And we can't just go on pretending otherwise all the time in order to remain in polite conversation with people who would deny all of this. We need to stop excusing people's ignorance and their inclination to offense. Does remaining ignorant about this situation make you evil? Not by itself, unless you're going to take that side. And then it does, because unknowingly representing evil in a self-motivated act is not that much more forgivable than knowingly doing it. And again, the truth is all of these people out there, they are conscious. They understand that there is a counter narrative to everything they're saying. They just chalk it up to those people are conspiracy theorists. Those people are just biased because they're on the other side. They ignore the entire thing on purpose. And when you do that, you do take on the moral cost and the consequences of having been ignorant and wrong. People really do need to understand that. If you want to abstain completely, okay. All right. Okay. 
I accept that there are people out there who just can't do it for whatever reason. They're dealing with too much stress. They don't know what life is all about. They feel totally unmoored to everything. Maybe they are just apathetic. Maybe they're over it all. I get that people are like that. But if that's the case, have no opinion. Abstain from the conversation. Let other people have the conversation and don't fight for one side. Don't advocate for one side. When the subject comes up, just say you don't know. But that's not where we are because the media has established defaults on all of this. There is a default correct position in the media's framing, and it is the framing that just happens to be false in the real world where Trump supporters killed police officers and police officers were the bravest people of all time, just trying to defend the Capitol against the very violent insurrection so that our democracy would not be overthrown. Ignorance is not an excuse for representing that position. Caitlin Collins also tried to nail Donald Trump about the documents hoax from Mar-a-Lago and how Jack Smith was going to get him. That is the obsession online and from the villagers from the Uniparty right and left. They think Jack Smith is going to be the savior. Will he indict Donald Trump? Maybe, maybe even probably, but it's not going to matter as we've discussed before. And he took her to task over that. Caitlin Collins wanted to assert the central narrative once again. She wanted to say what all of them know. The slogan is Donald Trump did something very bad, whereas Mike Pence and Joe Biden did nothing wrong, despite the fact that they had classified documents as well. Donald Trump has the full authority to declassify whatever he wants. As the president and commander in chief, he is the primary authority who chooses what should be declassified. All of those organizations work underneath the president in the executive branch. He is the primary authority on what is classified and what is not. And she wanted to make the point. This is the point they all hang their hats on that Pence and Biden were not bad because once they discovered their documents, they came forward with them. Whereas Donald Trump didn't, even after he had been subpoenaed, Trump and his people have been in negotiations over these documents the entire time. And it is a negotiation. It is a conversation. If they want to subpoena documents, Trump and his people have every right to say, well, if you're going to subpoena us, this is a legal matter. We are going to represent ourselves in this legal matter, and we are going to contest whether or not you have the authority to do this and on what timeline, and we will come to an agreement about all of this. But instead, Merrick Garland and the DOJ and Joe Biden, as we know, weighed in. They decided to go down and raid Mar-a-Lago, and Trump mentioned that. But that doesn't matter for Caitlin Collins. Donald Trump described the situation in detail, and he even mentioned one critical fact, which should immediately make this thing ridiculous to everyone. And that's that the GSA, the General Services Administration of the government, the people who handle the transition, took those boxes and transported them to Mar-a-Lago themselves. Mar-a-Lago has a skiff a sensitive, compartmented information facility, the sort you need when dealing with highly classified and top secret information. Donald Trump has that at Mar-a-Lago. He also has Secret Service at Mar-a-Lago. So rest assured that the documents were actually under control. 
How in the world could Donald Trump be trying to undermine U.S. national security while the GSA took those boxes to Mar-a-Lago? It's not possible. On the other hand, you got Joe Biden with classified documents all over the place. Donald Trump mentioned the 1,850 boxes of classified documents. Joe Biden has documents from when he was a senator locked away in a university basement. There's no comparison with what they did. Joe Biden was not president. He did not have any authority to declassify the documents he took. And those documents, by the way, might well have been transmitted to foreign adversaries. We discussed at length the document from Hunter Biden with 22 points that ended up in an email about Burisma. Look like the sorts of points that people in government in the State Department would make. So did Donald Trump answer every question absolutely the best he could possibly answer it? No. But what we saw last night was an absolute bloodbath. He took it to CNN at every single point, And while doing that, took it to all of their audience, the people out there who have been lying about all of this and deceiving themselves for the last two and a half years. This is the first time that many people heard Donald Trump speak at any length throughout that time, while the mainstream media and all of the supporters of the regime have helped to construct this impenetrable narrative of lies that they have proceeded to batter the entire country with throughout this entire time. Trump's campaign released a statement after the event. Tonight, President Donald J. Trump laid out his vision to reverse the Biden decline, starting on day one. Joe Biden has turned everything into a disaster. Inflation, the economy, the border, crime, energy, China, Russia, and wokeness in schools. President Trump will save the economy, bring down inflation, secure the border, crush the deep state, and prevent World War III. President Trump is the only one who can stop these forces from destroying our country. Anyone else will be ripped to shreds. Now, we were covering all of this on Badlands last night. And as soon as the event wrapped up, Anderson Cooper and Jake Tapper appeared on CNN. Video from the auditorium at St. Anselm College in New Hampshire continued to play. Donald Trump was receiving a standing ovation and he was greeting the crowd, clapping along with them, thanking them for their support pointing out people, and that standing ovation lasted like a minute. It just stayed there on CNN's screen while Jake Tapper and Anderson Cooper began freaking out. He called a black law enforcement officer a thug. He said people here in Washington, D.C. at Chinatown don't speak English. He attacked Caitlin as a nasty woman because she was trying to get him to answer a question. Perhaps most chillingly, the day after a nine-person jury of his peers in New York found him liable for sexual battery and defamation and ordered him to pay writer E. Jean Carroll $5 million, he made fun of her account of her sexual assault. And many in the audience laughed. The, and applauded. The former president making his first appearance tonight on this network since the 2016 election. He spoke with and took questions from New Hampshire Republican and undeclared voters who plan to take part in the GOP primary. And it took place just a day after his... How could I forget about him calling Michael Byrd a thug? You're not allowed to say thug about black people because then the word thug becomes racist, even though the word thug has nothing to do with race. Those are the rules. And I can't believe 
I apologize. I did not mention any of the E. Jean Carroll stuff. That was actually kind of hilarious. He knows the whole thing is a hoax. We know the whole thing is a hoax. The only people who don't understand that all of that is a hoax, or at least they're willing to lie about it, are the people on CNN and the mainstream news, the uniparty left and the uniparty right supporting the regime and all of the little villagers out there who will do whatever they're told to make the bad man go away. He told a story about E. Jean Carroll, about what she claims happened on that day. Bergdorf Goodman is around the corner from Trump Tower, literally 300 feet away. You can check for yourself on Google Maps. And Trump was pointing out how ridiculous it was to claim that a celebrity billionaire recognized by everybody walked over to Bergdorf Goodman, ran into this crazy lady outside and then hit it off with her in a certain way and then went to a dressing room with her, which is normally locked. But she found one that was unlocked. She found one that was unlocked. And then they went in there and that's when he raped her. That story is absurd. And he called it absurd and he called that lady crazy because she's crazy. He even mentioned that she named her cat Vagina. My poll numbers just came out. Speaking of New York, I want to ask you about a significant verdict that was reached yesterday. I know this is something you want to weigh in on as well. Manhattan jury found that sure. you sexually abused the writer E. Jean Carroll and defamed her. You've denied this. But what do you say to voters who say it disqualifies you from being president? Well, there aren't too many of them because my poll numbers just came out. They went up. OK. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm the only person in history who had a charge like that. And the, usually you, you leave office, you say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to back home. I'm back home to my family and everything. I'm going to be resigned. My poll numbers went up and they went up with the other fake charge, too, because what's happening is they're doing this for election interference. This woman, I don't know her. I never met her. I have no idea who she is. I had a picture taken years ago with her and her husband, nice guy, John Johnson. He was a newscaster, a very nice man. She called him an ape, happens to be African-American, called him an ape. The judge wouldn't allow us to put that in. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. The judge wouldn't allow to put that in. All of these things. He, but with her, they can put in anything. Access this Hollywood. This is a jury of nine people who found right. you liable of sexual abuse. Do you think that, that that will deter women from voting for you? No, I don't think so, because I... So the story was obviously a little longer than that. At one point, CNN actually cut to the crowd where women, middle-aged women, had their hands over their mouths, stifling their laughter because Trump's story was funny and they all know the entire thing is a farce. And naturally, in the false reality, where a court decision indicates what the reality actually was rather than the other way around, Donald Trump is liable for something that isn't rape until the case is turned over on appeal. But nonetheless, that makes him a rapist and unpalatable to women voters. All of it is insane. Now, consider the impact of them laughing. That means there are people who don't take that story seriously at all. At the same time where CNN's audience has spent weeks Pretending it's the most serious thing in the world. This is finally going to be what takes down Donald Trump. They've been hoping this story is true now. Same as the Stormy thing for years. But Stormy Daniels now owes Donald Trump over $600,000.
And E. Jean Carroll's going to owe him money, too. Imagine what it must be like to be one of those villagers watching CNN and see Donald Trump give his side of that story and see all of the audience laughing and applauding as he does it. It's easy to understand why they've all been freaking out and they are all freaking out. And it is hilarious. A man named Tristan Snell, who's a frequent guest on MSNBC and CNN. He's a lawyer who prosecuted Trump University, such an important person. He tweeted last night, I will not appear on CNN again until there is a total change of leadership and a reckoning for the travesty of this Trump town hall. And I call on all other CNN contributors and commentators to do the same. Nobody's going to do that. And if they do, great. I hope they all leave. I hope all the commentators on CNN follow Tristan Snell's lead. Go ahead, all of you leave CNN, go to some other garbage network and do your garbage thing there. But what's really funny is how preposterous this is and how pompous you'd have to be to take this approach. He thinks he's threatening CNN by not appearing anymore. That doesn't matter at all. He thinks he's going to threaten them into turning over their entire leadership that they just put there a year ago. That's absolutely bananas. DeSantis simp John Cardillo, one of the dumbest people on the planet, wrote, Trump walked into CNN's trap and he's getting crushed. This is not the guy I supported in 2016 and 2020. Don't embarrass yourself trying to spin this as anything but a disaster. The last I looked at this tweet this morning, John Cardillo or Cardillo or Cardillo, as he's often called was getting ratioed at like a three to one or four to one rate, which means that the comments on his tweet exceed the likes on his tweet by three to one or four to one. That is always bad because that means the people commenting hate what you've said. And he wasn't even the dumbest of the DeSantis simps out there. They got absolutely crushed last night. They should figure out what's actually happening right now if they want any chance to redeem themselves or restore their dignity at all, because it has been absolutely embarrassing. Ben Shapiro, that clown, said, This town hall hits everybody's pleasure centers. CNN gets to broadcast outrage over the oh-so-troubling Trump. Trump gets to shellac a CNN host. The only people who lose out are those who are hoping for, you know, some serious answers to serious questions. People do love their kayfabe. I'm surprised he didn't get the word folks in there anywhere. But that is a common con Inc. GOP establishment tactic. Rather than supporting Donald Trump, who is obviously going to be the Republican nominee for president, Ben Shapiro must find a way to take down Donald Trump. And so he'll do that by saying that Donald Trump wasn't serious. But people did get serious answers to serious questions. What would you do about the war in Ukraine? Well, I would end it immediately through negotiations that I am able to successfully complete so that people stop dying. That is a serious answer to a serious question. At what point do people realize that Ben Shapiro is not a serious person? Ben Shapiro is a person executing an agenda and is a really destructive agenda. I said this way back at the beginning of this show. This was one of the most crucial realizations for me during COVID about what was actually going on that helped my process in waking up. I realized 
that the media and all of these people were analyzing everything through the lens of whether it helped or hurt Donald Trump. Everything would be reframed to portray Trump in the worst possible light. And that's exactly what's going on here. It's also worth noting that the worst possible light that Ben Shapiro can portray Trump in without totally losing his audience is to complain that he wasn't serious enough. Here's AOC giving the view held by the pumpkin spice latte set. Uh, you know, I, I know you said earlier that you will not comment on the platforming of um, such atrocious disinformation, but I would. I think it was a profoundly irresponsible decision. I don't think that it would I would be doing my job if I did not say that. Um, and what we saw tonight was a series of extremely irresponsible decisions that put a sexual abuse victim at risk that put that person at risk in front of a national audience. And I could not have disagreed with it more. It was shameful. Trump is evil because he called a crazy lady crazy. And now that crazy lady is supposedly at risk, at risk of what and from whom are people going to say bad things about her on the Internet? Well, yes, but people were already saying bad things about her on the Internet. And also, she's a crazy lady who made up a rape hoax against the president. But you got to figure out some way that Trump was evil. You've got to call him a liar. You've got to freak out. You've got to emotionalize everything. You need to get a panel with seven guests so that they can all have the same opinion and convince the audience that everybody agrees Donald Trump is terrible. Because otherwise, what you've got is a bloodbath. Byron Donalds went on CNN last night for that exact environment. There's six lunatic CNN script readers and Byron Donalds. It didn't go well for them. Republican voters want him to come back. Because he's lied to them Hold incessantly. On, stop, stop, stop. He actually did the job. You know that. And frankly, he did the job better than the current president right now. And that is indisputable. What, 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 Name what, the stop. issue. So, so, Donald I, Trump I, did it better. I, I mean, these people are insane. He says Republican voters want Trump back. Because Trump's lied to them. He's tricked them all. No, idiot. You've been tricked. Everybody else understands what's going on. And Byron Donalds is exactly right. Name the issue. Trump did it better. But the best freak out of all is the Lincoln Project's Rick Wilson, who it's always worth noting, has a wife who put a picture on her Instagram of their Confederate flag cooler. And now the guy is a hero of Democrats, which doesn't make sense in the false reality, but it does make sense in the real reality because Democrats and the Confederacy are the same damn thing. Now, I'm going to play this in a second, but while you listen to it, think about whether or not you can hear panic in Rick Wilson's voice and the things he's saying. This is widespread panic because people learned last night that Donald Trump is not going anywhere. Donald Trump is unstoppable. He melted down Caitlin Collins. He melted down CNN. He melted down all of the mainstream media. He melted down the regime and he melted down all the villagers who have thought for eight years that life would improve as soon as Trump was gone. And they have gotten crazier and crazier and crazier throughout that time. They thought the 2020 election would change everything. Trump would go away. Their lives would improve. Many of them participated in lying about and covering up the stolen election in 2020. 
because they believed that that would make it all go away. Everything is going to go back to how it was before, where everybody gives us credit all the time for saying the little slogans on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. We're all for Obama. Obama is saving everything. If Trump goes away, we're going to get Biden in there. It's going to go right back to that time where everybody knows not only are we right about everything and we're the smartest people and the richest people and the most powerful people, but we're also the best people inside. We're the real moral ones. All of those people are beginning to see all of those hopes swirl right down the drain. It's never going to happen because they're not the smartest and they're not the best people. They're not the most moral. In fact, most of them don't know a single real true thing about what is going on in the world. And nearly all of them have given full throated support to literal crimes against humanity throughout this entire time. And they show no signs of stopping. Imagine what it must be like in their heads to sit there and watch all of that. Let Rick Wilson tell you what it's like. And by the way, if you got kids around earmuffs, we're in a break now from the presidential uh, town hall with CNN, Caitlin Collins, and whatever the fuck they thought they were going to get out of this, they instead have set a match to democracy once again. You are letting an insane person stand there and make people giggle and laugh when he jokes about rape. You make people giggle and laugh when he jokes about abortion, when he calls an African-American police officer a thug. This insanity should be pulled off the fucking air. Chris Lick, you should be ashamed of yourself. This is astoundingly bad for the brand of CNN. It's astoundingly bad for the country. And it's astoundingly bad, honestly, folks, for every other Republican candidate in the primaries. Wrap that shit up. It's done. You saw this tonight. You know you can't beat him on the stage. Everybody else, oars up. Time to go to work because he's going to be the nominee. This shit is unfucking believable I've never seen anything like it. It is a disaster of the highest fucking degree. Now to the villagers, that does not read as panic. That pumps them up. They say, yeah, yeah, Rick Wilson, he's showing them what's what. We're going to get him. That's the kind of spark we need. That's the kind of anger. This was a travesty. How could they do this to us? We're going to make sure no one can ever make us feel this way again. Yeah, let's go. Resist. Blue wave emoji. Blue wave emoji. Except in reality, Rick Wilson is just panicking. That is absolute, pure, unbridled panic. He knows what's coming. He even said it. This is over. This is done. There's no Republican that's going to stop this. There's no Democrat that's going to stop it either. And at some point, they're going to realize that no matter how much election fraud they use to steal that election next year, it's not going to matter because Donald Trump is bigger than that. And his support base is bigger than that. And you can look at the online reaction. Everybody knows Trump won. Everybody knows Trump won the 2020 election and everybody knows Trump won that town hall last night. He beat the whole media. He beat all of his competitors everywhere, not just politicians, all of them, all the people, all the business people, all the World Economic Forum people. They all know what that was. That was a bloodbath. People on Team Trump were celebrating the entire time. We were on Badlands giggling. I had friends texting me, wow, this is a massacre. Trump has locked this in. 
And I'm talking about people who are very informed, very Trump friendly, but not sold on Trump 2024. That changed last night. And all the Trump haters are absolutely losing their minds. It is wonderful. So let's wrap up with the newest declared Trump supporter, Dan Bongino. I enjoyed Dan Bongino throughout 2020. I learned a lot from Dan Bongino. When he stopped talking about election fraud in early 2021, I stopped listening to him. That's the most important issue by a long shot. And if you're not going to discuss it in order to maintain your platform, I'm sorry, I can't listen to you. But here's what he said today. Because of the ratings, they thought they could, quote, control Donald Trump. I think we've learned uh, for the last seven years now that no one's going to control Donald Trump. And um, listen, I say this with a lot of love. I, uh, I think I've been very fair to all candidates in the race. Wouldn't you guys agree? Very fair. I, I, I genuinely like as people, a lot of people in there. I don't really have a relationship with Nikki Haley uh, at all. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, uh, But I love Vivek. I mean, I'm an investor in in one of his uh, funds. I love Vivek. I think Tim Scott's a good guy. I don't know how uh, conservative he is, but I think his story's amazing. And I'm in Florida, and I can tell you right now, we've never had a better governor. And you're never going to get me to say otherwise. I really don't care who says what. But I'm a Trump guy. I've been a Trump guy. I've always been a Trump guy. I don't think that's a mystery. And... uh, I think last night it's over. I, I, I really do. I, I really, I don't see any purpose. Last night, CNN thought it was going to be the kill shot for Donald Trump. It turned out to be the kill shot for CNN. I mean, absolutely body bagged the CNN audience last night and the absolutely hapless Caitlin Collins. Just hapless. Well, thanks, Dan. Welcome aboard. Now start talking about election fraud. Because no matter how much people want to stop talking about that, that's the most important subject. They want to stop talking about it because they know they've been wrong on it for two and a half years. And that's the sort of thing you just can't come back from. People in the Republican establishment want that all to go away. And then they can just slide up next to Donald Trump, pretend nothing ever happened and go right on through and keep their position. And I'm not accusing Dan Bongino of that, by the way. But that is what we are going to see with people in the Republican establishment. Now that the Ron thing has failed, all these other options look utterly ridiculous at this point. They're all going to hope that the election fraud conversation goes away, just like Caitlin Collins did. But it's going to be a bloodbath there, too, because there's only one way this is going. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range.
It's high noon! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hot!